Hello everyone, this is episode 15, the 1-5, the epic 1 and 5 combination. I don't know what birthdays you had as a kid, but mine was 21, that was a bit special. I don't know, I don't, I don't really remember past last week to be honest. Yeah. But anyway, as you can tell, this is FIA Goes PC, episode 15. We had a bit of an interruption there, it was very good. So that means we are with the one and only... Unicorn Slayer, aka Pete, say hello. Hello. And as always, our producer, Winifred Mock, in the background, say hello. Hello. And I am your host, Rebel Zen, aka Danny Hale, and we are here today to tell you all that we've done it, we got through it, we're wrapped, we're good, our principal photography is all done, so the, and we're in post at the moment, not in a big envelope that's about <laughs> to be delivered, no, we're not well, not that. I've no. tried various ways to get rid of you, but that was uh, quite special, that one, I thought. That was, yeah. You FedExed me to my own house. Yeah. It's very clever. <laughs> they put the return address rather than the sender's address, you know. Absolutely. It was a roundabout trip. They just saw me and yep. said, stay where you are. Job done. That's what they did. They did stamp their authority on my head. It's a size 10 boot. Charge me two quid as well. Yeah, yeah. But that's a whole different thing. Maybe you should stop getting strippers dressed as postmen. Hey, Pete. That'd be a good job. <laughs> I'm not saying a word. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on from that side tangent. Um, so yes, we have finished our filming and our last day was Tuesday. Well, it was late, so it's Tuesday eclipse into Wednesday. Wednesday it was our morning, latest, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's our latest shoot ever during the, the making of this. And yeah, we've got a few announcements to make next week as we are setting up now for the road of launch. Oh, it's all... It's all hands on deck. There's not a lot of hands and there's no deck. But anyway, there's a lot of work going on right now, you could say. So let's set this up. We were actually in a very special place, very special to Pete. It's almost his temple. Um, <laughs> it's where he goes to worship life, isn't it? That's one way of putting it. <laughs> and receive a paycheck. Yeah. So in the place of work, which is the... Um, Absolutely brilliant F&Bs. Frankie and Ben is a chain here, a New York Italian chain. And we were at the Broadway Plaza version in the center of Birmingham. So we we actually, just to set this up for the, the kids at home, we were there at about 11 o'clock yep. to start filming. We had everything set up for that. Um, you'd been working. How, how long was your shift prior to that? Only, only five hours at least, but uh, still when you're on your feet. Yeah. And then I've got you coming in telling me to do this and that. That's you know? right. Well, your, your, your days actually expanded because we, yeah. we were in there for six hours-ish. Yeah. Because we didn't leave till about 4.30, yeah. Was it around 4.30? No. No, it was, bit, it was about half two. Was it half two? It felt like 4.30. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and the first time I'd ever locked up on my own and I couldn't get the alarm to set. Oh, that was amazing. That was well, great fun. You, yeah, it, it, it was. it's kind of like one of those things that can happen, but it was just, uh, it's, it's cool, man, like, the uh, the place, if you don't know about this, if you're listening from around the world, it's basically somewhere between an Italian-American uh, restaurant that you'd find similar to New York style or Chicago style. Also with like a diner kind of concept, American diner, 24-hour diner, sort of uh, 50s diner vibe. It's sort of merging those two concepts and a uh, big chain in England. Yeah. Huge yeah, there's In the UK, I should say. Yeah, yeah. in the UK. We used to have one in Barcelona, but uh, not anymore, unfortunately. Left. It declared independence and ran off. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> good segue. It went good, to Gibraltar. Good political, yeah. 
Good political segue there. Um, but basically, yeah, no, it's it's kind of cool. And the one in Broadway is quite it's quite stunning, really, because usually they're kind of a separate entity. But this is yeah. part of uh, a whole area which we. <laughs> Which you'll have actually seen pretty much everything of within yeah. different episodes of our Probably, show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've we've done a few <laughs> things in different places around that area, but it's it's um it's kind of like the mini sort of entertainment hub near Five Ways in Birmingham. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you got your cinema, your bowling, obviously with us at Frankie and Benny's. Yeah, casino. Yeah, yeah casino and the rock climbing is all climbing. in that area. Yeah. Then around the corner of it, you got your Subway and your Dixie Chicken, which is a <laughs> interpretation of KFC but it's 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 kind of a cool area and that particular F&B's has always been I want to say high market but it's always been really nice layout and I've always mm. walked in there and thought Kurt Russell movie in the 90s uh zombie apocalypse kind of in the same vein as Escape from LA or New York mm. would go ideally there that's it what is, I've always thought it is a nice layout but then you work there and whoever did the table numbering system I had no idea what they were on yeah because that took me at least three weeks to get my head around it. Yeah, it's a maze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, people who number in this area, especially where we're from here, are completely barmy, I think. Yeah. Because our street setup, <laughs> especially in this street and this area, often leads and anyone for delivery. It, it becomes a limbo trap. Yeah. So everyone's sort of asking everyone where your numbers are. We have this thing in the UK where it's like numerical deficiency, where you'll have like, one house next to the other one, the numbers won't correlate. So, say if you've got one one eight and you should be one one nine next to it, one one nine happens to be further down the road on a different side of the street. Oh, That's yeah. what we like to do with you here, and we do our table organisation in many restaurants yep. exactly the same way, which is very good. So yeah, well, I wouldn't even begin to learn the table system there because I was only in there filming. So That's good, isn't it? <laughs> well, we were on table fifteen. Oh, there you there go. You go. Uh, episode 15 out of, 15. Yeah. out of a billion tables it's yes. a lot of yeah. tables in there yeah know? yeah it's big yeah 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 so i mean it helps for kids at home who want to get into the hospitality trade learn your tables kids oh. help you. <laughs> well it's, it's just rudimentary maths and wait if you to stick a clock on it it'd be a times table yeah it could be a times table yeah well that's a timed table that would be um a different interpretation of fast food trade, wouldn't it? Where you basically, you got 15 seconds, go, eat, 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 oh, you're done, leave. It's like speed eating, like speed dating, but eating. There's a thing in McDonald's Hong Kong where they had this timer at one point. Yeah. Where it was like, if you didn't get your food within that set amount of time, it was like only like a, a few minutes, like a couple of minutes, you get it for free. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, that's, I, that's, I'll tell you one thing, that's actually how the construct of McDonald's began. It got traction. And there's a film recently, Michael Keaton's in it, about the founder of McDonald's. Mm, right. And the traction that it gained was because they were the fastest, I believe, in the USA at the time to, to give your meals out. It was like the precursor of a fast food meal. And these two guys had created a system where it was like a minute or less or something like this. And that's what gained traction. And then some guy comes in from the commercial side of America, the corporation-minded guy, and sells the concept on. So it's quite it's quite interesting that Hong Kong almost went back to its roots, whereas here, you're lucky. Well, I found the opposite in one of the places in America. I can't remember where it was. But um, you had about 15 minutes at the table. Well, it was a speed, it was a, a chopper. Yeah, 
It, it had notice saying, yeah, you can only use the tables for 15 minutes. Yeah. That's, and then you've got to get out. That's <laughs> usually, I think, that's an a, a applicable thing in um, Asia quite often as well is because space yeah. and turnover is so vast. Uh, but that's unusual for... 15 that, that minutes would, is really short, though. It might have been a bit longer. It's yeah. You know, it's been a few months now. That could have been... Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, that's the joke I was saying about speedy. And yeah. really. <laughs> but it's almost like... I feel like in Asia you get that sort of... Um, because the turnover is that crazy. Yeah. It really is. Especially in a food court or a small noodle shop or something like this. Well, even if you book in a big restaurant, if you... if they Because they usually try to do like two evening slots for yeah. the tables. And... Sometimes when your time's up, they can get quite rude because it's like, you know, yeah. we need to clear the table for the next party. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because there's certain places in Hong Kong where you can be there for a good six hours if you wanted to with your family in these big banquet halls and stuff like this. There's no rush in, in those places or street vendors or the street uh, restaurants. But basically like, when you're in a small uh, establishment, small uh, cafe or sort of a kind of, like I was saying, the, the vintage noodle shops or something like that, the turnover is so quick, you are literally getting pulled out by a granny, pretty much. <laughs> well, and, people actually have, because there's no space, people actually stand by your table waiting for you to oh, finish. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's quite a lot of pressure yeah. in terms of that. And you've never seen tables cleaned as fast. Yeah. And they're off. <laughs> Off they go, yeah. It's an amazing thing. And it, it's just kind of, it's sort of, uh, I, I don't know what Japan would be like. I mean, you have to experience that. But I'm sure in certain places of Tokyo where it gets super hectic, you'll have limitations. It's much more orderly. Sure. Well, the Japanese wouldn't <laughs> like, do it to your face and they wouldn't loom. That's no. for sure. Hong Kong people have no problem doing that. Yeah. Mm. Especially in the classic areas. And the most busiest like Mong Kok or areas like this, they have no problem just looming over you with a knife in their hand, to be honest. Like, <laughs> Well, I'd, I'd put my feet up and I'd get a book out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd have to be um, a pop-up book. Otherwise, yeah. you'll literally not be allowed into the restaurant. If they see anything as a novel and the time that it could take you to read it, <laughs> game over. But just I'd get Kindle out then, sorted. <laughs> just start watching your back-to-back uh, DVDs on, yeah, your, yeah. on your laptop. But I just think... start watching myself once, we, once we've gone live. There you go. <laughs> But the, the diversity is actually like in a cafe, so people literally live there forever. And 24-hour McDonald's, literally, I feel like it's a halfway house for a lot of youth. It's mm. when you're in the, uh, the local one to where we live, down in sort of our area, mm-hmm. and you're down in a certain region, you'll go at this, at, at least where it's changed that I've relocated it, according to Wynn, because I haven't been back there for three years but basically, like, you'd have almost like a social club at a certain time. You'd turn up at McDonald's and we'd always be working late. So we'd get there really stupid, like, about three o'clock in the morning quite a lot of the times so when we were making kin. And you would literally see people with their bags and stuff that have come possibly from work or school or something like this. And they just use it as their kind of bed and breakfast, I suppose. <laughs> before they get up in a matter of hours and carry on with their crazy lives that they have, you know? My housemate did fall asleep in there on his birthday the once. Slept right. in there for about three hours. That's great. Which one? The, the one just down the road. Oh, okay. Although it's drive through, you know, I think after after 12, so you can't actually go in. That's probably why. Which, they, which they, is, which, I mean, it's great that it's still open, but I don't drive. Well, we and they won't let me walk through it. You see, this is the thing. We actually, this is something we pulled. You see, um, 
in the UK, I'm at Donald's 24 hours. It usually is the rule that it is a tw- uh, uh, at sort of 12 o'clock. It shuts and then it's drive through only. You get a lot of that in America. Hollywood does that because you mm. do get people literally um, abusing the system. If there's a lot of like in Hollywood, especially with the homeless, a lot of these guys use areas, anything they yeah. can for space. And obviously that makes sense, you know, survival. But in England, I think we had, or the UK, we had issues where it was just people trashing places or there was like crazy drunk people yeah. just, you know, using it as a sort of getting sober port. You know, in Hong Kong, it's different. Everyone's obviously got such a hectic life out there that they literally just zone out. And, and it's quite incredible to see it. Um, I think where we were just before I left, there was a few nutters there, like a, a, a couple of guys from the old folks. <laughs> I don't say nutters. <laughs> People with mental instabilities. There we go. I've got to try a BPC. There's a bunch of crazy... Once folks. in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The nutters turned up. And um, no, we had a... There was a few people that seemed a bit unhinged, let's put it yeah. that way. And they were just sort of chilling out in the corners of the room. But, you know, Hong Kong's real passive. I've seen it pretty bad in London here when they had 24 hours in uh, Piccadilly Circus. It gets pretty nuts down there. You get all kinds of like, it, it's quite intimidating. And I think that was a problem. Yeah. So we have a unique thing because in America, everything's 24 hours. It is 24 hours. The drive through shut the main restaurants in most places. Mm. Some keep them open. But here we've got this weird thing where we have 24-hour restaurants that aren't drive through that open up on days that no one knows except for them. So it'll be 24 hours when they feel like it, every Thursday when the moon is full. It's a bit like the shop up the road, isn't it? It is, oh, yeah. Mm. We have a lot of this going on in the UK, and it's yeah. the only culture I've ever known to do this. In, the, in Hong Kong, McDonald's is your beacon of light if you're stranded. And it literally exists in the weirdest, most craziest towns and, and districts of Hong Kong. Possibly there's one on its own on an island somewhere. Someone will <laughs> let me know. McDonald's Island. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, if you're ever with your boat in this area, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a boat through. It's very good. It's Sailing like, through. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, what's they call Like a marina of McDonald's. Yeah. There you go. Uh, McDonald Marinara. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> so incorrect. Oh. I apologize. But anyway, it's it's kind of interesting because you have that kind of culture and um, we don't seem to do it right in the UK. And as far as Europe is concerned, most things are open at 12 till whenever the hell everyone's done with eating in, yeah. in, in the south and the Mediterranean at least. Um, so 24 hours is almost an everyday practice for most people. Really. We're not generally late eaters in this country, though, I mean. No, we're not, but that's there's reason. You mm. know, when it gets cold, especially yeah. in winter, oh, yeah. we get darkness at 3 o'clock in the mm. afternoon here. Yeah, you find in the south of Spain at 10, 11 o'clock at yeah. night, but yeah. over here you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, winter in Spain is quite a trip. If you go to a resort, I've had the experience where you... You know, you have your summer and everything's tourist heavy and everything's there. And in winter, it's like a ghost town. Yeah. It's quite a weird feeling. Like it just, everything shuts down. It's all boarded up. The locals never come out, it seems. We were in a place like that last year and um, it was start of October. Yeah. You know, it was still 32 degrees, which absolutely lovely. But um, it was a little place by the coast and it was all holiday homes. Yeah. Um, so there was nobody around. There was a yeah. couple of bars and a shop open. Yeah, it's, it's nobody in there. It's a very strange feeling. It's like 
you get that kind of interpretation when you're living in Hollywood too. It's like you get the season and then suddenly it's for the, and it's literally in Hollywood, it's like four weeks of rain mm. pretty much. Yeah. And you'll get this kind of weather. It'll go back to probably down to seven degrees, very similar to Hong Kong. And you'll get like four weeks of sporadic rain. It might go a couple of months. I've had a few droughts in recent times. So it's very sporadic and it's very light. And literally for that time, you expect it to be shut down and all the tourist season's got to stop at some point. It's usually at that point. But Hollywood's this unique place where it you'd imagine that and then suddenly a new bus turns up from a new country and it's their prime holiday season. Yeah. So somewhere in the world is parting all throughout the year if you, you know, if you travel in the right places. And it's quite a weird feeling that. But Spain is really strange when you see like the uh, Costa del Sol, the coast in the southern area, just that time is so weird. And then Christmas is, it's quite somber Christmas because they have all of these parades and everything. The, the element of like, you know, the birth of Christ is same at yeah. Easter as well. It's very somber. It's not they have all these um, really elaborate sort of street parades and it's yeah. very principally Catholic. So it's, it's quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's quite intense to witness that, but good. It's mm-hmm. very, um, it's very awesome to see it. Um, if you ever get the chance, people listening, you should try and see these two festivals in, in near South Spain, the Andalusian parts. Catalonia's got its own way of doing things. Of course, everything's slightly different. So, um, Bear in mind, uh, we've gone on a kind of big U-turn in all of this. Um, we're basically going to bring you back to uh, F&Bs. The point we're saying all of this is because we've all had experience with 24-hour restaurants and stuff like this. We're now dealing with after hours in filming at uh, pretty much your place of work. So how in was... Exactly how, my place of work. Well, yeah. How was it? What's recently you moved there as well? Cause you yeah, yeah. I've been there in August, yeah. Yeah. So how was it for you to uh, switch your hat for that last night? Fairly easy, to be fair, <laughs> because, I mean, I'm used to being in a restaurant, you know, after hours when it's closed, because obviously I'm there working. Um, must have been a bit strange for you guys, though. Well, not for me, really. I've done I've done similar things in film, and we once um, had a project where we used the pub in after hours and lock-in period, and... Um, I think it's quite a unique thing to do, uh, basically, especially if you've localised there and you've seen it working as a restaurant. Yeah. The atmosphere changes. Yeah, it does, yeah. Like, it's 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 obviously, that goes without saying, it's a shut venue or whatever, but it changes in a way of what you put into it. Like, when we filmed in a pub, it was only down the road from mine. Mm. It was basically like we were pulling off a horror film, <laughs> which is the obvious thing. Everyone thinks, like, you go to a restaurant late at night, you're going to yeah. do a horror film, you know? Um, we had a section of time that was kind of infinite. I mean, our deadline was till probably about seven in the morning, which gave the manager enough time to open up the place, you know, but we were doing some pretty extreme exotic stuff at this place. And I think the thing is we got access to the kitchen, stuff like this that I hadn't seen previously. Mm. It makes it quite, it's, there's almost a kind of romance to it. And with with uh, Frankie and Benny's setup, I couldn't help but think actually, it felt more like America at the point outside of daytime. In that yeah, yeah. in that situation, it feels more like you're in the USA than it does if you go there 
regularly. Mm. It, it was a strange vibe that it kind of drew me back to Mal's in Hollywood, you know. But it was, you, you really were in a timeless space. Yeah. It was kind of a strange thing, like everything outside, you, you kind of know it's all shut down, it shouldn't be there, but people are still walking around <laughs> outside. It doesn't really shut down, does it, that area? Well, no, it's 24-hour security. And yeah. um, they, were, yeah. they, they were saying to me uh, the day after, they were like, it was... Saw some strange things happening in Frankie's last night. I was like, oh yeah, that was us with filming. Don't worry about it. Yeah, You'll yeah. see it soon. Yeah. But there was a lot of there was a lot of activity around and then you've got the hotel above you yeah. in that area as well. So it's kinda of cool, man. Like, the casino's open all night as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, well nine, they got, nine AM. That's what you were noticing on the uh when we were filming there, you were noticing the uh the open hours are there. And again, that's quite weird. Usually you'd have a casino all around 24 hours, usually yeah. in Vegas or something like this, that's how it sells. Of course, mm. their functions aren't quite that. Yeah. But it's funny, again, we just look at that slice of time. that <laughs> we always three need, hours. Yeah, we always need a closing point in the UK. We always need yeah. something to shut. So then it's like, oh, it's a slow <laughs> night. We'll shut early. That's our mentality. It, it doesn't apply to any of the nation. Even if it's just the Sunday where you close at four instead, you're 24 hours for the yeah. rest of the week. Sunday night, four o'clock, that's it, done. Yeah, and it's a growing thing where um, I feel like I've I've learned this a lot in coming back after being elsewhere in the world. A lot of places um, in hospitality or whatever they they look, literally see their opening and closing time as a loose guide. <laughs> so it's like everywhere here is glass half empty though, because basically it's a case of like you'll be a cafe in the centre of Birmingham, like an independent cafe or whatever. And because there's not like 16 people even curious about your, ca- your coffee shop or whatever, you shut down a, yeah. a good hour before your, your, your time, you know. Well, and then you walk in and they're like, oh, yeah, we're closing. And you're like, well, you're yeah, and it's like half six, <laughs> not like, eight. Oh, it's like, yeah, we haven't got anyone here. I'm like, am I not a customer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's just a really strange thing, isn't it? It's like yeah. an epidemic of strange occurrences in, in, in service. But yeah, it's, it's funny because. This sort of segues into the point of the show, really, all of our experience in hospitality, of which Pete here is now 12 years, you say, 12-year Coming uh, up on 13, yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's bonkers. I mean, I started at Pizza Hut when I was was in college just for a bit of money. Yeah. And to think that I'd still be doing it 13 years later. It's crazy, man. Mad. You'll have your own store named after you one day. <laughs> or, or, a bench. or I could just change my name to Frankie or Benny and then or, <laughs> there's loads of them. Or Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, yeah. Didn't exist. I'd, I'd, I'd be on one of the uh, one of the uh, American notes then, wouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on the keyboard, but yeah, I think you'll be on uh, you'll be on something. Yeah, definitely on something. Maybe. Not just wanted posters. Yeah, it could be. That's where I normally. That's where I normally. There could up. be there could be a weird jurisdiction law that if you actually try to be uh, one of the presidents or any anyone associated on on any note, <laughs> and you weren't officially that person, you can be shot on a weekend. In Delaware or something. Are you like trying this. to say that you want to shoot me? No, I'm just saying that there's always these bylaws in the USA. Mm. You got American law system. If you're ever learning it for the whole America, like in different state by state, I think it'll it'll be best or beneficial if they did graphic novel form of it because I think it needs to be visually instructed because some of these old federal <laughs> cases where it's like in in the UK we have a lot of urban myths about like. You can drag someone down to the streets if their name's Brian on a Wednesday and yeah. shoot with a bow and arrow in front of at least 
three gerbils and a yak or something like this. We have these weird urban myths that there's these weird uh, medieval rules that haven't been yeah. overruled because no one said... Everyone's like, no one will do that. No one's going to drag their wife down the street and expose her to a 10-foot tiger. No one's going to do that because you can't. Um, but America, apparently, they still... Apparently, they're still... Yeah, they're yeah. still fully active. Um, you can't drive strange. flocks of sheep down Main Street on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you represent Benjamin Franklin on a note of any kind, even if it's a C or a chord structure... This takes a lot of thought. You will be shot out of a cannon at a building. I'd quite enjoy that. That'd be good. Yeah. That's how that's how they built the Go out of the bank. That's how they built the extreme games. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't by accident. It was, Isn't this how Takeshi's Castle came around? I don't know. Did it come around? Has it done a world tour yet? And if it has I wish it would. <laughs> if it has, where's my ticket? I need to see it. Um well Takeshi's Castle is uh is Based on Takeshi Katana, who's a very awesome actor in Japan. Did you know that? I, I, knew, I knew you'd come out with something. Well, no, it's for sure because he is the guy that hosts it in Japan. But we have mm, Craig, Craig Charles here, which is so surreal. I can't even tell you how surreal. Like, if you actually... Because the original one, they, they used to show it on NHK World really late in various places I've been to around the universe. Been all around the universe. Jupiter's good this time of year. Um, and basically, like, it was so weird for me because I didn't do the association as Takeshi Katano, who's one of my favorite directors, stroke actors from Japan. He's amazing. Done some really cool stuff. Like Battle Royale is the, oh, yeah. uh, the teacher at the end. I know what you mean now, then. Yeah, then you know who I mean now. <laughs> the blind swordsman, Zatoichi, he was in that as well. Well, he did an interpretation of that. You yeah. shouldn't say he was in that because there was a long... F- okay. We're getting film nerdy now. <laughs> there was a long-running series yeah. with uh, Shintaro Katsuyan's... The moderns, that's what you yeah. There you go. But basically, well, it was his homage. Mm-hmm. It was Kitano's interpretation, homage to the original. And basically, yeah, he, that guy from Battle Royale, now you know, is um, what Takashi's Castle is all about. Yeah, so that guy, Takeshi, Kitano... Yeah, Beto, his uh, nickname is Beto. Beat. Because he, he likes punching people? or Oh, I have no idea. It's, 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 it's an, it could be due to the comedy he did was uh, slapstick. I don't know, someone from Japan will tell me, but I think it's, it's to do that. He's very notorious, though, for playing Yakuza roles, like really terrifying mm. gangsters, you know. Um, he's he's extremely gifted guy, especially with his direction and things like this. But to think that this legend, like in film, he's a legend, and to think that he actually did, or is the the brain behind Takeshi's Castle, mm. that which is tr- just bonkers. Yeah, because for yeah. us in the UK, and this is random, we get the most random stuff ever here. We got that um, basically uh, was a challenge TV, yeah, one yeah. of the the off kilter kind of cables uh, networks here. And basically, for years we've had this. Yeah. For years and years and years. It's one like dubbed by uh, Craig Charles, who's famous for Red Dwarf, amongst other things, Coronation Street. Robot Wars. Robot Wars. <laughs> and, and such. And Quite an eclectic mix. Yeah, just to associate <laughs> those two things yeah. as an element is weird. It'd be like Godzilla dubbed by, I don't know, George Clooney. It was a bit weird, too. I'd love to see that, actually, now we're talking about Jack that. Black. Jack Black. 
doing a voice. He'd be a good Godzilla, yeah. He'd be, he'd be the greatest voice of Godzilla. It would be a whole different thing. <laughs> I only want a kebab, man. Also, you know, be, I'm not even going to go That'd there. That'd be brilliant. Wouldn't that be funny? Carl, have to Carl, Gass, Carl Gass as King Kong, and then you've yep. got your best Tenacious D movie ever. And it's a natural disaster. <laughs> Waiting to happen at a box office. There you go. But basically, we're loosely talking about hospitality this week. I say loosely because it is loose. We like to go on tangents, as you know, to improvise formats. So going back to your experience of pizza, <laughs> yeah. see what we did. That's great. <laughs> well what, done. Well done. Yeah. What was? Um, what's the main difference when you go from pizza because you worked pizza at pub? Frankie and Benny's. I so, did the pub while I was at Frankie and Benny's. I was oh, doing okay. both you were for, doing uh, for two shifts. years. And that was, also, that was always really strange when I'd, I'd serve somebody at lunch um, in the restaurant and then I'd go and do a shift at the pub on the evening and then they'd come in and they'd just look at me and go, hold on, <laughs> have you got a twin brother or something? And I'm like, no, it's me. Yeah, I, I did a post office in a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, that was that's that's the greatest ambition ever. Especially if you got this place is very quick on turnover with students. Yeah, and you could actually set it up like a it would be the best mind trick. Like if you actually had someone who works in every single business down the road, that'd be amazing. So that's that's an aspiration that, yeah. for the future, right there. there you need you to get a lot more people who look like me, though. Well, no, you you just have to do it. You just have to map the week out. <laughs> just follow them around wherever well, they're going. I mean, if you say Monday I'll do the pub and I'll do the thing, Tuesday I'll do the post office and I'll do the convenience store, yeah, and then go through the week like that. So each day you got a double shift. In and then just turn up in one of their lectures the next week. Absolutely. That'd really Then throw you're them. a guest. You'd obviously be their guest lecturer, yeah. Yeah, that'd really throw them. Yeah, that'd be the, uh, that'd be an amazing life. That'd be awesome. It would be. Man. Just think of the possibilities. <laughs> so, out of <laughs> out of your twenty seven jobs you've done down the street, <laughs> which was your favourite? <laughs> the I, guest lecturer, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Just standing around making it sound like I know what I'm talking yeah, about. You, you were sent in to do the um, efficiency of the twenty four hour system in the UK, weren't you? <laughs> that's what. That's. That's what I gave The 24 hour system that isn't quite 24 hours yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. The one every day of the third month of the full moon on a Thursday, or something <laughs> like this, is how they do it. It's crazy. I, I keep getting like, because um, Facebook, obviously, uh, it likes to pester you about every single thing. Yep. And one thing it started pestering me about every time it updates, I don't know why it does this, but it likes to tell me about the. Uh, 24-hour McDonald's down the road, probably because my activity <laughs> is talking to a lot of Americans and the time difference or whatever, and they see me as, you know, Batman. So it's like, you're someone that's awake in the middle of the night. Did you know that McDonald's down your road is 24 hours? I want to write back to them and say, only every Thursday when the full moon is out <clears throat> and Gerald's working the shift, because every other day, it ain't open, buddy. So, yeah. So what was, just talking about hospitality stories before I lose the group here, what was your longest ever close and where was it? Was it at the pub? Was it at the uh, F&B's? Oh, it was the F&B's when we used to have to do uh, deep cleans. Yeah. So we'd actually, we'd actually go in after it closed. Yeah. And you're there till four or five in the morning, having got through a fair few beers and some Chinese. See, that's, that's funny because they separate the day, don't they? They yeah. actually give you a day and it says this is a cleaning day. 
right? Obviously, you do your morning clean and your your, your wash ups at, at oh, yeah. night. Oh no, this is where you literally go through all the cracks and everything yeah. while it's closed, and then you're back in at nine a.m. in the morning to serve breakfast. Yeah, and people wonder why you look tired and why their breakfast is shining. Yeah, <laughs> well, we polished it all before you <laughs> ate it. This is the cleanest breakfast you'll ever have. That's what you should advertise next day: real clean breakfast. Polished yeah. bacon. Polished bacon, sparkling eggs. Amazing, yeah. yeah. Um, we, because <laughs> we had, the worst thing we had was in Domino's, and I'm not talking playing Domino's, because... You're not quite that old yet. Well, I just don't understand playing Domino's. It's, uh, there's there's got to be more extreme sports out there. But Domino's Pizza, when I was working there, um, our worst lot, because we had to do a deep clean every day. Yeah. Because we had, um, I'm not going to mention names, but we had uh, anyone who's worked with them in the area of sort of the Worcestershire County and two towns such as Redditch and Bromsgrove, mentioning nothing but that, uh, will know. He's a great guy. He's a, the franchise owner. He was a, gr- a great guy, real nice guy, but he had this intensity about cleaning. So... Mm-hmm. You were literally doing CSI style uh, forensic cleaning every day of the shift. And it fell upon me to do most of that work because I was the only one who could get stuff to his level of, I can see my face in, you know, in that. And you you then say it's a tomato, you're not meant to. But anyway, (laughs) he was that kind of intense. So I remember we had, uh, and the worst thing, it started, I think the, the shift ended at 12 and then we were doing six hours of overtime, of which I wasn't paid for because I was on a part-time contract at the time. So I'm doing a six-hour shift of cleaning everything. And we had a lot of starters, uh, new new staff in that night. Yeah. We didn't get how things were. And man, like, I was like, plus six-hour shift, my granddad at actually times came to pick me up. And he was in the car park at one. My granddad, you know, it's like going on 82 at the time. And basically like, or, or definitely in his 80s. But he was in the car park waiting for like ages, you know. It's six in the morning I finished. It was ridiculous. No overtime and all of this stuff. So how times have changed. Indeed. I could have sued. But I didn't. Because I'm not that kind of guy. But I left my job soon after, so it didn't matter. So that was that was Domino's, but um, I had the experience of working in a hotel, which is an exclusive hotel, not Hearst Grange, and then also Yago's in Henley, which was short-lived. Very cool little uh, Mediterranean restaurant. But the experience of working at Hearst Grange was intense because the first night I ever had working uh, as a waiter in a silver service hotel, you know, with with a crazy intense chef, <laughs> head chef, made Ramsey look like a puppy dog. Um, my parents came in that night, that night, as mystery Brilliant. mystery guests for me. <laughs> of course, the hotel didn't care about that, but they came in for me, and it was controversial at best. It was like an episode of Faulty Towers, man. It was ridiculous. I was a nervous wreck, obviously, and you get spot trek training in silver service. You get like a 20-minute, this is what you do, good luck, see you later. And you're just like, what? You know? And it's just funny, man, because that first day, you, you thrust, I think, working in a trade, especially waiting, you'll get more of this, I think, when you work to F&Bs. But the, the training you got, like you do the, the floor um, ritual to start where you're polishing cutlery or you're setting up tables and all of this stuff, I think is 
pretty much the world Boxing. around. Yeah. yeah, I did it for about a month back at Pizza Hut, and that was it. Yeah, I'm surprised Pizza <laughs> even does it. Yeah, to be honest, because um, that's another thing that's weird. Just a tangent, a little bit. Like Pizza Hut was always quite funny. How you have different styles. Like in the US, I remember. It, one of my first um, pizza memories in the US was in Florida, and it was sort of to get to the the restaurant because everything's takeaway, everything's delivery. But to actually get to a restaurant, you have to go kind of really in weird places, and it <laughs> sits almost ignored in a corner somewhere in a strip mall that's closed. Yeah, and there it is, and you and you walk in there, and it was just the weirdest thing because pizza here has always been what I would class as sort of that middle sort of step up from McDonald's into the next yeah, sort yeah. of tier of, yeah. of establishments. But it's not quite Frankie and Benny's. It's sort yeah. of just underneath in level. But then you go to Hong Kong and pizza is basically a cultural experience of <laughs> Italy, man. It's it's like crazy. Like you get like everything set up like a proper restaurant almost with napkins and like your 25. It's quite weird as a feeling. Um, Wind's quiet right now, Pete. She's in the corner and she's just mulling everything over. What's your experience in, in hospitality? Well, it's kind of interesting because I first tried out hospitality stuff when I got to England as like a part-time job. I first worked at Snobs, which is a <laughs> nightclub. The intention was to learn cocktails and sort of like the oh yeah you you seriously you seriously went to the wrong place then <laughs> for, for, for anybody who's been to Birmingham in the past fifty years you'll know what snobs is snobs. See, even my mum used to go yeah it's been around that long well it's moved recently because it, it, yeah. it was tucked around a corner by a Greek restaurant and we all have it was kind of like in a basement yeah kind of yeah location. well it was it was kind of on a corner by a main road which was never the best selling point about <laughs> it but it was right next to a Greek restaurant so you're almost guaranteed to walk out either before you go in or after, because this great restaurant seemed to run a marathon every night. It seemed like 24 hours, didn't it? It did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Thursday if Gerald was working. But they like great name, Gerald. It is. That's what I thought. Can't be authentic, eh? Yeah. But basically, you'd come out for the time when they chuck plates down, because <laughs> they used to do that every Friday or whatever, and stop is obviously the weekend. And so we'd have like plates thrown at our feet, which was quite surreal. <laughs> but it's a nightclub. It's kind of what I would call um, some mod or progressive rock or mm. old school yeah. kind of. It's it's definitely not. I wouldn't class it as a rock venue for Birmingham because no, that's not. more metal edged. It's more indie and yeah, alternative, more, and... more kind of Brit pop sort yeah. of heyday. But there, there's they a lot of three stuff. rooms, so mm. one was more pop, one was more sort of rock. Yeah. Well, it's mod. There was a lot of mod culture there, um, and mirrors everywhere. The entire yeah. place was covered in mirrors. Well, the, the opening room was a wall of vanity and a wall of yeah. heads. Yeah. Do you remember the wall of heads? Yeah, they they've moved, moved them. Yeah, they moved the, the heads yeah. to the new one. And I'm like, that's the one thing I would have gladly burned. <laughs> you know what I mean? Although the new one's now a bar and grill and opens in oh, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's crazy. Bar and grill. Mm. I mean, microwave. I mean, sorry, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm not dissing it. Snobs is cool. It's a, it's a little bit of like a... Historical site of Birmingham's local mm. youths. Like Nothing us. wrong with one pound vodka shots, is what we're saying. Absolutely, a lot's wrong one with that. One pound beers. Yeah. Yeah. However, what <laughs> I find fascinating about what you said is <laughs> the reason that you worked at Snobs, which, by the way, 
doesn't do cocktails. No. Doesn't what? even do beer right because their <laughs> fridges are always open that you never get anything cold. I think, there, I think they might be classing vodka and coke as a cocktail. Yeah, right. Mm. So you went there with high visions of grandeur and mixology and I'm going to be a going to be flaring everywhere. Yeah. Who, who pointed you down a direction that that was even remotely possible at Snobs? No one. I Well, that was something, that was one of my random useless good skills I wanted to acquire. But the thing with Snobs is that I'm obviously, I was just looking for a part-time job as a student. And I'm not a nightlife person. Like, I don't go drinking. I don't go to This bars. gets better, <laughs> folks. This gets better at home when you're listening to Logic. So I thought, well, I'm not the kind of person who would, you know, pay that much money for alcohol anyway. So why don't I experience that kind of life? And it's a cultural absorption, I guess, because this was like the second year I was here. Why don't I experience it on the other side of the bar? Which is safer, you know, for, for someone like me. Yeah. Who doesn't want to hang out with? And is about the same height as the counter. Oh, was the same height yeah. as the counter. I had to tiptoe to like hear what people were saying. It was so loud. It's well, I mean, it's it's one of these one like, and this is the weirdest thing, Pete. It's like the association we have, and we have got memories of snobs. Everyone yeah. I think who grew up here since the seventies will have yeah. an, a memory of snobs. To actually associate Win with Snobs <laughs> is like George Clooney and Godzilla, yeah, isn't it? It is, yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Basically. It's a little weird. Or Jack Black voicing Jason Voorhees. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. Friday the 13th has a whole new meaning. But basically, like, it just doesn't make sense that you would do that. So... You needed a local person to tell you that that's a crazy idea. It's fine. It wasn't like, you know, I, I wasn't going out going, I want to learn cocktails, so I'm going to go there. I was just like, I'm in England. I should try something I've never done before. And that's a slice of life. That and I'm you in. should do. And maybe I'll acquire a skill that's related to that. But, but you know. it's also that you do everything that you don't do naturally, like be up at night working in a place with loud music. That is that's, open until 3, 4 in the morning. That, to you as an individual, is almost like doing your idea of how <laughs> willingly and signing up a contract to do it. Well, I thought it was good use of my time because, you know, after, you know, like dinner time and then go to work and then finish at like 2, half 2, and then go home, sleep, and then wake up at 10 and go back to school. Okay, so that was the first job you did. And then the second job you did, which is another strange link, is uh, the ICC, right? Symphony yes, Hall. the International Convention Centre in the centre of Birmingham. Which, which is linked to the Symphony Hall. Is linked Hall. to the Symphony yeah. Hall, yeah. yeah. Um, that was interesting because I signed up as, uh, basically, they're always looking for catering staff um, because, you know, turnover so quick. So I thought, oh, I'll try that. Never done it before. And I did two jobs. One was in the cafe, where it's like a coffee shop, you know, just stocking and cakes and stuff like that. And the other side was events, which is like sort of closer to silver service. But because it's um, it's a convention center, we had lots of events. Like there was a big, uh, I think it was like a, a, a car convention or some kind of brand. People would hire the space out. I had my graduation there. Yeah. And I think my uni still does them there mm. every year. It's, it's an interesting thing, the ICC, because growing up, I was associated only with Symphony Hall Park, because that was the only reason I'd ever go there. But it's kind yeah. of like a miniature version of the NEC. It has smaller conventions running through there, including well, yeah, the, Tories, yeah, yeah. The, the Tory party uh, 
conference, conference was there, yeah. Uh, big deal, actually. We actually walked around around that time literally they, last um, year, I think. They, they've done it for the past few years. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. But they, when they shut the streets down, it yeah. becomes London for a day. Oh, it's a nightmare trying to get a taxi anywhere. But it's, it's interesting because you get the Metropole Police... Mm-hmm. Policing it, you get like the whole. It feels like London, that small section of. Because it's on the bottom of Broad Street as well, and you you've got that juxtaposition of you've got conservatives there in the day, and then thirty thousand students there on the night. Yeah, to go to all the clubs. To be fair, is a terrifying cocktail. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Could lead to a nineteen eighty style sitcom about anarchy. I mean, the young ones. I mean, ah, that's already been done. Don't know what you're (laughs) on. It's all good. Um, So the ICC. So. Asking you all now, uh, now that we've finally established that we all have hospitality backgrounds and understanding of this, uh, Pete being a veteran of all, he's done the most time, <laughs> and therefore gets the award and the knighthood from the Queen. Yay! For being in hospitality. You might Which get an queen? OBE. <laughs> yeah. Which Queen? The Queen of Hospitality. Okay. We're talking about... She's on her straight on a Saturday night. Yeah, she does Mothra, the, the voice of Mothra in uh, Godzilla. Um... <laughs> Very eloquent, played by Helen Mirren, I believe. The role of hospitality queen. Yeah. Well, she could. Or Judy Dench. She's done a lot of queens in her time. Are they married to the Burger King? Yeah, that's correct. The hospitality queen is obviously married to the Burger King, yes. Um, he's lost his role in recent years. He used to be the uh, the face of Burger King adverts all over the world and now unemployed. It's quite sad. It's hard, it? a hard life, isn't it? It is tough being a Burger King. It's a very f- flippant job, though, isn't it, Burgers? <laughs> so, moving back on, because that was a rather strange tangent. What is a good memory? When I say good, I'm talking entertainment value. What is the funniest thing that's ever happened to you in your 12 years working in hospitality? There's, there's always... I mean, I love the customers. Some of them don't quite think through what they're saying sometimes. So, um, I had the woman who said... Um, I want the veggie burger, but can you make sure it's vegetarian, please? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. It's vegetarian. And she's like, no, it says it's got beef on it. And I look where she was pointing, and it was uh, the beef tomato. Yeah. Which she had uh, figured had got beef in it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Or the or the or the the classic was asking people if they want any garlic dough balls to get started, and they look at you and go, "What are they?" And you literally can't change that. You can't make it any simpler. Yeah. It's it's self-descriptive. Yeah. 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 It is what it is. <laughs> it's garlic, it's dough, it's a ball. But one of the worst things that happened was um, meeting you. No, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah me, I'm joking. me, me, because we met. We met, <laughs> we, when, we you met were when I was at work, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and this whole crazy adventure started. <laughs> Life has never been the same again. Correct. It? Well, it's, it's what I run in private. I run uh, an outreach program for anyone in the uh, hospitality business. Because they might not know it yet. I mean, you've had 12 years in it, so you are what we call um, affected as an addict of the (laughs) hospitality trade. And it's my job to snap you out of it and show you the world beyond. You know what I'm saying? Not not that you haven't seen the world beyond, but you haven't seen the world beyond. 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 It's a good band from Hong Kong. Um, But yeah, like, that's kind of random. So what was your craziest experience? At the uh, snobs or the ICC in entertainment value. That's what we're trying to do here. <laughs> well, I inadvertently met our music producer. 
That's correct. Through the ICC well, when we were doing an event together. Let's set this up. My old mate. Yes. And we go back quite a way. And yeah, he and I, we, it's funny, we, we come from two different strokes really, because I had my thing going on in Redditch, he had his thing going on in Bromsgrove, but we knew people from each town, these two towns are quite close. He's one of, and I'm going to set him up because he'll be on the podcast at some point in the future, we've, we've promised it each other really, but he's one of the most talented people in music that I've ever met, ever known, and I'm not going to sell him into that too much because he'll just throw a gun at my head or something like this. Um, just throw the gun. Yeah, just, he, yeah, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't shoot, shoot, shoot. He just doesn't believe it. in yeah. permanent death, just brain damage is one of those. Um, but basically, like, for years and years and years, I've I've had the um, idea to work with him in, in some form or fashion, either in a band or uh, together collaborating on something musical, right? And it was around this time we were we were actually thinking about rebuilding the band at that time. And you were working the ICC just, to, and this is how Wynn put it, I just want to see what it's like to have a normal job for a bit, <laughs> right? Because we were heavily working projects at yeah, the time yeah. and stuff like this, but she was just like, I'm done with that, I need a time out. And she had, your visa was worked out to work, you had a work visa uh, in It place. was a holiday work visa, so I was allowed to work like part-time basically. So basically it was a novel idea to mm. go out and get a job. What a place to do it. But basically uh, one day you were roped into an event and uh, James was working with you. Mm-hmm. And... I hadn't seen James for quite like possibly a few years gap at this point. And basically Wynn comes back and she's like, I work with this really cool guy today and his name is like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? You know, no way. That's, that's crazy. And then it's that association within a year or so. I think we were making the album with him. Yeah. This is the band related stuff that we don't talk about too much, but (laughs) He and I produced the uh, the album that the band threw out in, in 2009. We actually haven't released it. It's still being held by us. We use it for in-house projects. But basically, he and I did the work on that. Mm-hmm. And that is such a weird <laughs> twist of fate was that. It is, because like especially in events like that, you, you work with a lot of people. Like It's a yeah. really big team. And we were doing a dinner, and he was very... Uh, he stood out basically because he had dreadlocks, yeah, you know, yeah. and he's he's got he's quite a tall guy, very tall guy, yeah. And yeah. Uh, we just sort, you know, I was working near him, and we just sort of started talking, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Told Danny, and he's like, oh, that's 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 James, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the James I know, <laughs> JT. Uh, yeah, well, we call him Tompo, um, but basically, like he, well, actually, segue. Because now Pete's met him. He was the guy yeah, that we yeah. went to see uh, Metal in it out the other week. Literally, the other week. <laughs> so it, was, it was last week. It was last week, aye. Yeah. So we'd, um, we'd just seen his debut. He doesn't have dreadlocks debut. now, though. No, of course. <laughs> Got a big beard now. Yeah. Um, but Tompo is uh, one of, well, definitely my best mate in the world, and... Yeah, you, you got to see uh, his debut of his metal band. That's what we'll be talking about in the future, probably, um, at some point. But I think Thompson wants to come in and be quite, what's the word I'm looking for? Controversial. Um, mm. Yeah, I've got to make sure that he has a day where he's not needing to be censored. He <laughs> or, or, you, or you've got to make sure Wynn's got a lot of time to edit. Yeah, a lot of time to yeah. edit. No, Thompson and I've got a lot to talk about, especially <laughs> him. Uh, a lot of what he likes to discuss is kind of deep and meaningful stuff. But yeah, no, he's a great guy. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite funny, isn't it, how it all links up? Yeah, it does. It's a small world. 
when so you bump it, into people and you start talking to people. It's only a small world, right? When you're the other side of it and you see someone that is from your hometown and that's happened literally twice in my life, I feel. But that's a whole separate uh, conversation. When, <laughs> however, she knows people every corner of the world. <laughs> so when doesn't have friends that she lists by name association, she has, oh, I've got someone from there and I know someone from there and that there, I've got a friend from there. But some strange places, including Mars, eh? Not Mars. Not Mars? No. Well, I, I managed to bump into... <laughs> like, how serious? Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> I managed to bump into an alien. No, no. Um, I managed to bump into a Wolves fan in America. That's, that's... That is pretty weird. But they were probably from England, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have met an American Wolves fan. That that wouldn't happen. Um, I do. I did. I, I was watching. I think it was the Royal Rumble or something. The once back in the day, and uh, there was somebody in the crowd with a Wolves flag. Yeah, be be from Wolverhampton. Mm. See the uh, the US football followers tend to follow the top six <laughs> of the top top. So, well, yeah, we have gone top of the league, having beaten Villa yesterday. I had to get that one. It's in very there. true, but the league had is to get that in yeah, there. the league is not seen in the <laughs> USA yet. Um, the thing that's interesting is I had this is a good tangent. Um, I had a, an experience where I actually got FIFA in LA, in Hollywood, mm. which is a cultural experience in amongst <laughs> itself because I had the midnight launch there. Yeah. Now, for GTA, which I was there at possibly a week before or something like this, could have been after, I forget the dates. But basically, GTA, there was a line down the street. It was massive. It was an event. You almost had street performances. It was crazy. You had your locals. This, the thing is, you have regulars doing this <laughs> stuff. And they're all quite middle-aged and quite quirky dudes. And one of them was like, oh, man, you should have seen Call of Duty, man. It was crazy. They had, like, they had like pyro. They had, like, a coach turn up. They had these army guys. I'm like, for real? Like, I, I just want to get a game. It's midnight. What the hell's the matter with you kind of a deal? No, man, it's cool. It's crazy. Well, like, blah, blah, blah. For GTA, I had this dude. And I don't know if he was overcompensated or something. <laughs> But he was like trying to push his hip hop album and he turns up in his muscle car with sponsor tags all over him. All over him, the car is just rental. And you can see clearly on a plate, it says blah, blah, rental. Yeah, yeah. This dude comes, and this happens a lot in Hollywood, but he just drags his car down. It's a low rider, whatever, he's bouncing in, all this stuff. Gets out of his car and he's just leaning up like that. He's not going in line to get the game. He's just chilling, doing his thing. <laughs> And we're all like, all right, fair enough. And it was literally like you're in GTA whilst you're getting GTA. It was literally... <laughs> Isn't that one of the opening kind well, of like it, stills on the... Kind uh, when, of. When it's loading, I mean, yeah, just more... Like, to get well, to the car. it's basically set in the same place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the whole thing becomes this immersion <laughs> cultural experience. So anyway, set that up. There was probably about 10,000 people uh, that had come through that one store to get the game. Yeah. It was that nuts. And you had to like book in advance months and months ahead. Um, and this is a PlayStation 3 release. So, mm-hmm. you know, we saw we saw our mate's kid turn up and he just bought the whole pack and he had VIP pass to get cut through the line because it's all celebrity contacts or whatever. And we just see him walk out with the entire console and all of this stuff. And the whole queue is like, I hate that guy. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. I've never seen that dude before. I'm so like... Yeah, he's going to see me and uh, he doesn't know me and you don't... Yeah, whatever. So we've just done it um, and gone through and it's such an incredibly fascinating thing. It is really a cultural experience when you go to a midnight launch of anything in LA. 
the Harry Potter one was equally mad yeah. uh, with people camping out and stuff like this. But this was it wasn't that crazy, but it was crazy in itself. Then FIFA launches. And it was me and about 12 Mexican kids, you know, <laughs> who are the, the only kids in America that know football. And I'm just like, and they're all wearing Barcelona shirts and stuff like this. And I'm the only British guy in there. And I'm just like, oh, this is kind of lame, isn't it? Like, I was <laughs> expecting Beckham to turn up, at least because he was playing for Galaxy at the time. Like, David Beckham should bring his kids here. This would be cool. How enjoyable would that be? But my experience is they only know the top seeded yeah. six teams in the world. Um, yeah, which is a bit sad, really. Because um, they actually launched that year uh, the Mexican League and FIFA as well. Mm. So I was thinking, why don't they know more about their own nation stuff? You know, like, because California is richly uh, Latino cultured. So it's like, it's just interesting. There was literally no. British people whatsoever, or no one, uh, what I, what I would call local Americanized guys. There, it was just me and a bunch of Mexican <laughs> dudes, and they were Mexican, Mexican. Yeah, speaking heavy Spanish, it was great. So that tells you a lot. Whereas here, the midnight launch is almost like no one really cares about it, eh? The Harry Potter ones were uh, quite popular. Yeah, but for games, I'm talking but, about. Uh, yeah. My um, I think I think maybe that FIFA launch you were on about my mate just um happened to be walking past the twenty four hour Tesco's. Oh right, that was open. That was it was because it was that Thursday. And yeah, yeah. Was running. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at midnight they put the game on the shelves and he just walked in, picked it up. Yeah, <laughs> nobody else there. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like weird here as well. The culture for it, it's not massive. There are a few mm. stores like that did pull off a big thing, but there's a yeah. lot more anarchy in the UK. You'll get some right. <laughs> idiots like milling around the, the malls and yeah. you know all of this stuff late into the night and you, the rentals you higher. also don't have the um the transport links here whereas in america mm. everyone drives so it's not an issue here you know the trains shut down and you just can't get there even if you want it yeah. well yeah and and it's it takes the most determined shopper in the world to do a midnight <laughs> launch here yeah i'll walk the, walk the two miles in or t- t- 10 15 miles I mean, the local stuff, they do do it, like, but it's really rare now. I think we had a lot more stores as well at one point here, and so they were spread around, and you could do that more frequently because they were localised or whatever. Now there's literally one or two. Yeah. Um, it's it's quite sad, really, like all the competitions ending. In America, you've still got that kind of vibrancy shopping frenzy that you have, mm. especially for the midnight launches, and everything is closer together. You know, so it makes sense for community. But I miss that. So if you guys, if anyone's listening in the Hollywood store, sort of West Hollywood, just off Target in the uh, GameStop store there, you guys are great. I miss you. <laughs> it's, it's literally, that store's got many memories for me. I've been going there for many years. So it's it's quite, um, kind of miss it. Because just to wrap up the hospitality, really, the culture of it around the world because I don't really have a story that I can really entertain a mass with my my work in hospitality was always quite severe um intense <laughs> intense and brief but basically like the funny thing I think about hospitality around the world in customer service especially is in the USA everyone's uh we've we've started to inherit this i think from retail especially how our retail chains are mostly owned by america yeah. in a lot of cases but that upsell thing 
that upsell co- yeah. consciousness, which we never used to do here because we knew that there used to be a cynicism in the UK. So if you tried to upsell anything, you'd be met with grinding <laughs> teeth and maybe an old guy would slap you around the head with his shotgun or something like, you know, being British. The hunters yeah. that bring in the... We the, do that, yeah. The peasants. Uh, the peasants. <laughs> <laughs> Brings in the pheasants. <laughs> the peasants. Cook this peasant for me. I meant What's pheasant. for dinner today, Daddy? Yeah. We're having peasants. We're having peasants. <laughs> There's enough of them around. Yes. Just just hang them by the boots. Yes. Anyway, um, not that. But you, you get what I'm saying. The uh, the old hunters there uh, of, of time. Not got the same coolness as a Texas guy that hunts, to be honest. Our hunters, not really. But yeah, so you'll get the kind of like that grinding teeth thing, the mm-hmm. upsell thing. I think it's interesting in the USA because it's starting to, <laughs> they're starting to inherit our cynicism. Which, when you first went to California back in the 90s or something like this, everyone was super positive. Everything's up sale. Everything is... Um, but done in this kind of big grin, have a nice day kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, are you gonna? Are you interested in our coupon for a 20%? No. Okay. And then and then <laughs> everyone just moves on. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, before, it would, they'd really try and they'd chase you out the shop almost. Now yeah. it's just like, yeah, whatever. Okay, good. Don't have to do that. So much like you, you kind of clock them and they don't want to say it anymore. So the cynicism is broken, you know, the thing. Whereas what's interesting in Asia, and this is really something that, uh, it, again, is a conversation for another day, but it's the work ethic thing. Japan notoriously has the most um, polite and structured in pleasantry if you definitely speak the language. I think it's a struggle for anyone who doesn't. Mm. But it's basically a high honourable customer service and very much organised that way. It's kind of like um, the American system with work done on it to make it a very Japanese ideology. Whereas in Hong Kong, you get this hybrid. So you will have some of the best customer service ever because everyone's glad to help you and they want to help you. And, you know, it's basically like they're very personable and it's cool and they're really excited, especially when you get shoes can help you with that. And they're, they're, they're all kind of looking after you. They're the hairdressers. If you ever get your hair cut in Hong Kong, they do like head massages. And I've never... It's almost a divinity. It's crazy, man. <laughs> like, they will shampoo your hair and stuff like this. They're so good at it that you just... The most relaxed. It's like going to a spa weekend, man. <laughs> but you're only there for an hour, you know. But um, the customer services, it mixes from that which you get this really amazing customer service. Everyone wants to do their job. The job is honorable to them because they need it for life, and etc. Yeah. as it should be, work ethic. Or you'll get your kind of old school town <laughs> where you'll get shunted out very quickly due to the turnover. It's very mixed. It's very. It can be very real and stark or very happy and friendly, you know. And... The UK is just so funny because we just don't seem... We're, we're trying to do the upsell thing, but we don't seem to get it here, you know. Because I think whenever you, you try and upsell, the, the argument has got to be something that people want, and I feel yeah. like it never really is here. <laughs> you know, like... Because the Doughball thing you were saying in F&B is just to, just to literally end my point. In the USA, that would be free, yeah. and that would be infinite, 
Yeah. And you'd get a million <laughs> rounds of it. Here it's an extra and you have to pay for it. It doesn't make sense. It's actually the reverse in Hong Kong where if they don't upsell, it's weird because like then the customer will be like, well, why didn't you tell me yeah. this came with a meal? I could have added a little bit and get, gotten more. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or you know, like... Um, we're all bargain hunters. Yeah, that's, so. that's, I mean, that's the logic. But I think that's basically because there's money there. Mm. Mm. You know, and if there isn't money there, there's still bargains. The same in Japan. You see constantly, I was saying this on a, one of the early podcasts, but you see on a sale in Hong Kong, and it is actually... Uh, Japanese um, almost cultural there's a lot of parodies played in Japanese TV shows and films and also uh, animation where you see on a sale day everyone's rushing at it like and they've got a battle tactic and <laughs> and it's basically all set up like you're at Napoleonic Wars or something yeah. and there's a territorial and who can get the up upmanship of this person this person and chasing through uh, the store with a trolley or something like especially this especially if it's limited yeah, especially, yeah. And, and it usually is, especially in supermarkets, like mm -hmm. there's only X amount of this kind of prime cut beef and it's going for this price today and so everyone's going mad, you know. And you think, yeah, that's just, they're just doing that for fiction. You, you think that's that's fabricated. I had this one time, there's this very famous department store in Hong Kong and it's kind of an everywhere store, right? Uh, I think it's a local one and... It's almost a year or an annual tradition, a bit like uh, Black Friday in the USA. Mm -hmm. And your mom had said, go down and, and, you know, you guys have that experience or go down to the store. And I've never seen a place that nuts in my life. It was literally you couldn't move shoulder to shoulder. And it was all basically housewives, to be honest, you know. And I've never seen, and, and it flashed back all of the stuff I've seen in, Japanese dramas and stuff like this for real it's the most brutal thing I've ever seen in my life <laughs> and I've never seen a shot like from go to end and it only lasts it's like the thing is it's a time sale so it was yeah. only a couple hours or something like this maybe a day but I have never seen a shop open uh, up with panic they literally had every person was staffed with high visibility jackets it felt like you know and they had like it was just like and they were young staff. They're always mm. quite young in these kind of places. And they looked terrified. And you yeah. had this mass... You try keeping order in a place you can't. like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. But literally, within opening the gate to everyone coming in, I've never seen a department store stripped to the bone. <laughs> you know, like, it's like when you see those videos of termites, you know, eating <laughs> wood. And you put it on fast forward. Just everything's just, gone. Yeah, yeah within yeah. seconds. Yeah. Literally, the store was dismantled. Yeah. So you had things off the rack, clothes being thrown up. It was mental. <laughs> and Wynn was like, do you want to go in there and look for anything? I'm like, no. No, 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 no. Carry on. Enjoy it. I wouldn't fit. No, you'd get stuck. In I would people. literally, yeah. I mean, I walked miles. one foot in and I was like, forget <laughs> about it. I'll see you whenever, you know. Yeah. It's just mental. So I think... We kind of, everything's refined and I think it's also interesting to say it's like where the economy is in certain countries and it's very surprising in Hong Kong because Hong Kong is, you know, half of it's this immensely humble, raw, organic and real place and the other half is a super city metropolis. Yeah. You know, so you get these two cultures oftenly clashing and it's, it's really an interesting vibe. Whereas here... 
we can afford to be casual, I feel mm-hmm. like. In, in the UK, we're very much like, again, we don't need the profit, really. It's not our problem. I might be managing this store, but it's owned by someone and that someone lives in a tower somewhere and I don't give a monkey's butt about that person. So if I don't see 15 people here in front of me right now, I'm shutting down shop. It's just a very odd thing. So if you ever travel into the UK, you will see that frustration quite a lot, unless you're in London, obviously. London's yeah. a whole different kettle of fish. I think Liverpool is too now since the reform of Liverpool and it's had a lot of work done on its structure there. Um Birmingham still is quite sleepy though, eh? Yeah, it is. Especially quite late at night. Ah. Uh, like when we're filming. Yeah. In f and yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how do you enjoy your experience then? So you've got 12 weeks to count for in filming. We've just finished. We will do a complete wrap-up, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, in the future. But how's it been? How do you feel about it looking it's back? It's been incredible. Ah? Uh? Yeah, something I've never done before. Completely new. I've, I've loved it. I absolutely loved it. Very good. And we'll come back. We'll do a wrap-up. I think uh, Shaq will be with us next week. He's busy today. I think he's saving the world. You know what he's He like. does that, yeah. Or trying to fit hydraulics onto everything. Yeah, or basically getting a new app for something. Yeah, yeah. That's how he works. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we'll see uh, Shaq and yourself next week. Um, thanks for listening, guys. It's been episode 15. bit random. Um, but that's what it's been like. We're obviously in post-production, so our brains are kind of being liquefied. Uh, post-production is almost a syndrome, I think. It should be a traumatic syndrome, you know. But anyway... I've got PPS. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, it is pretty bad. But that's enough from me. That's enough from you. Indeed. Over to win for the wrap-up. Any comments, questions, find us on facebook.com forward slash maildemon, M-A-I-L-D-E-M-O-N, or Twitter. Our handle is Project F-I-A.